Hi, Food and Body Freedomers. I'm Nadia Felsch, nutritionist and intuitive eating counselor, here to support your food and body freedom. In this episode, I'll be covering why self-care isn't what you think and providing you a whole new framework to consider, potentially to start experimenting with. Let's go. visual does the term self-care conjure up for you? Maybe it's bubble baths, wine after a really long day, face masks, spa appointments. These are all really fabulous and not to be criticized in any way. Rather, I wonder if you know why you view self-care in this way, if you do. Is it a want for you? Is it a need? Is it an ad on Instagram? And that's the place that I'd like to begin this conversation. Categorizing self-care as wants and needs. And I'd suggest that we tend to mix these categories up to our own detriment. We live full on lives where more, pretty much of everything is rewarded and where diet culture is entrenched in the societal values that we hold. So in reality, this looks like working a million hours a week, hustling, feeling exhausted almost as a default, having a never-ending list of what we're meant to do, what we're meant to buy, to be and achieve, and let's be honest, look like. We're getting to this, this time in our week or fortnight where we're not working and likely feeling like we want to do the exact opposite of work. Maybe we want to let loose in whatever definition that means to you. Maybe we want to do lots of socializing with our loved ones because we never get to see them. Maybe we want to travel or we've got life admin to do. And now let's add in this thin, obsessed culture that we live in. So, you know, we work 10 hours a day maybe and we skip meals, whether intentionally or not, but that through the lens of diet culture feels like success. I've heard it described like that so many times. Maybe we set super hardcore rules about, say, having to exercise a certain number of times in a week, eat veggies all the time, have a high protein, high fiber diet, drink all the water. And again, this is diet culture. So very quickly, these ideas, these intentions start to feel overwhelming, like a long list. And so perhaps we let things drop away because life's a lot and really exercise isn't helping me lose weight. So whatever, who cares? And you know what? Grocery shopping. Oh God. Well, it's better if I eat less anyway. So let's just ditch that off the list. Water. Who's got time to think about that? So the fundamental intention that we have for our own self-care matters, as does how we define it. I speak to clients all the time who go hours and hours without having drunk water. So they know that they get a little fuzzy, you know, around the edges. Maybe they have a headache and a dry mouth, but they didn't notice all of that going on in their body along the way because it doesn't happen all of a sudden but they notice it all of a sudden. And the same goes for their hunger. Maybe they go pretty much the whole day without eating and then it's 2 p.m. and this insatiable hunger, which by the way is very understandable, normal and biological, is now so present, so undeniable 
Maybe they wake up tired most days. Maybe they feel overwhelmed with the plans on their weekend. And I wonder, does any of this resonate with you, Becky, listening? So psychologist, educator, and author, Catherine Cook Catone, PhD, defines self-care in the following way, and I quote, Self-care is defined as the daily process of being aware of and attending to one's basic physiological and emotional needs. This includes shaping one's daily routine, relationships, and environment as needed to promote self-care. So we can really say that self-care is what we need as a human being to survive and beyond that to thrive, but it's one before the other. And this is where I guess we really go back to it's a need first and then a want. So really some needs and some wants are probably subjective, but I would suggest there are some that are needs for each of us undeniably and eating regularly is going to be one of them. But from there, we can each determine in an ongoing and flexible manner what negotiations can be made to access the wants that we have after our needs are met. And that's going to be constantly in flux. But the intention behind attending to these needs fundamentally is care and respect for our body. It's wanting your body to feel how you want it to and to do, therefore, all the things in your body that you want to, the instrument that your body is, the way that it gets you through the world, doing, seeing, living. That's thriving. So of the following behaviors, which feel available and familiar to you right now? Eating regularly, moving your body, quality sleep, showing yourself compassion and understanding, good boundaries in your relationships, relaxation, feeling your feelings, experiencing purpose in work and other pursuits that you have, and feeling supported. Are some of these behaviors already a routine and valuable part of your own self-care? Maybe you're actually working on expanding them, fine-tuning them. And that's the type of work I support my clients to do in this realm. Self-care is something that constantly comes up in consultations. So let's just take food as a really obvious example, seeing as I am a nutritionist. So eating regularly is often really difficult if you're recovering from diet culture and disordered eating, because eating less and therefore feeling hungry is in air quotes success. I've literally heard it described like that so many times, you know, I'm doing such a great job because I'm so hungry. So even I want to say that it's, it's defined as success, even when the behavior of ignoring our hunger is actually the very thing that drives feeling chaotic around food and just in your brain in general. So <laughs> let's kind of begin there as a, as a core self-care behavior, because feeling chaotic is not self-care and it's not fun. So once we, we make that more comfortable, once eating regularly is a more regular occurrence and behavior we can fine tune it. So what that might look like is becoming more specific in the steps that make it possible. And this is an example of where self-care works kind of forwards and backwards, because we need to plan to have food available to us in order to eat food regularly. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. And, you know, beyond that, 
we might be determining what range of diverse, nutritious, and satisfying foods work for you specifically in the different situations that your life has. And also, very importantly, what happens when things don't go to plan? What if you're not very hungry that day? What if you're more hungry that day? What if a meeting ran over? What if someone needed you and you needed to run out? All of these situations happen to each of us. The self-care act is knowing that we pretty much always have a backup plan. We know how to care for ourselves, even if life is not, you know, the, the same replica the next day. And the actual planning right here, the food planning is self-care, having the availability. So is the shopping then, the preparing, the storing, and the eating. These are layers that help us to, first of all, survive and then to thrive because we move out of that chaotic, really unpleasant place where we get to 2 p.m. and we can't stand anything and our moods are all over the place. That becomes just a thing of the past. So now we're able to thrive. Now, when it comes to knowing our needs, this can be hard to ascertain and that's okay. If you are not familiar with this, that's likely because it's not something you've been paying attention to. So I use the following metaphor in my client sessions. So imagine that we are at the air traffic controller desk of our own body. We've got this huge computer in front of us and we are surveilling on this huge screen. We're able to see the full picture of our life, our needs, our bodies. So we can see what's closer, you know, the planes coming closer to the tower and the planes that are further away. Therefore, the needs that are more immediate and those that are less so. We can see the full picture. We can see the radar. And this is a practice to be practiced. You know, it's going back where I mentioned clients who go hours without drinking water. Now they can begin to prioritize. That's the key here. Looking for the need that they have to begin having to drink water, paying attention to their body is what this is, becoming connected to it. And you get, you get to keep expanding these discoveries. You don't just notice you need to drink water and that's the end of it. With this work, you can think of it like muscle memory, just like with any movement or sport you may be familiar with. Each time we are aware of a need and honor that need, it becomes embedded and it becomes easier to notice the next time. It actually becomes more pleasant because we know how good the payoff is. We know if we go back to water as the example, we don't get a headache. We don't get fuzzy around the edges. Our mouth doesn't feel like shit. So a note here on rest, because I think self-care and rest, you know, the, for me anyway, they have a, a really symbiotic relationship. But I think this is a really important point to cover. In our really fast-paced, you know, push-push society, the the true downtime, the true rest is really rare. So I would actually suggest that we do everything but rest. And rest really, and I'm saying this because I do it, looks more like lying on the couch whilst also scrolling social media, whilst also watching Netflix and online shopping. So Again, I do this. It's nothing to be criticized. And I actually, I just want to offer that we rename it to be more accurate. This is doing many tasks whilst also lying down or sitting down, but it's not rest. And that's why we don't tend to feel rested if this is how we spend our rest time. So practicing conscious awareness around our self-care needs 
is what makes us better at attending to them. It's, it's like anything, the attention that you give it makes it easier. And it also makes us more accurate and considerate because in the beginning, we're kind of guessing, we're discovering, and that's the only way to do it. It's trial and error. And this is also how we avoid, because I see this all the time, and I actually think my profession of nutrition is is really at, at fault here because I think we propagate this. We tend to make self-care behaviors just another checklist to overwhelm. We feel like a failure then when we don't get them done, you know, so we, we might have heard women to have lots of water, women to meditate and, and go to the gym. And we feel this inner judgment if we don't do it. So getting really good at practicing our own awareness and attending to those needs is how we avoid this becoming another checklist. And also it's really important that we look at the fact that self-compassion and realistic assessment of our lives. What do we have going on? Where are we at in our own development? That's part of self-care as well, which is why I'd like to direct you to a really wonderful resource named the Mindful Self-Care Scale. This scale was developed by Cook Catone CP and Geica WM in 2018, and it's intended to help you identify areas of strength and weakness in mindful self-care behavior. So you can essentially look at how can I improve my self-care? And there's six areas that it looks at. And this is actually why it's one of my favorite tools. I use this with students of my programs and with clients. I've used it with myself. And by the way, none of us are perfect. Just to be super clear, we are not trying to be perfect. We're just looking at what might need a bit of love. So those six areas that this scale assesses are mindful relaxation. Remember how I just said we don't rest, physical care, and that kind of covers a lot of the movement and nutrition elements, self-compassion and purpose, which are so, so overlooked in our fast-paced society, supportive relationships, supportive structure, I love that one, and mindful awareness, So I invite you to complete this scale. It's free and determine what you might like to fine tune in your life. Remembering to seek support in the process if that is available to you. You're going to find the scale on my site, which is nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast and just scroll down to find this episode, what you need to know about self-care. So now I have an ask of you. I don't want you to just be a passive listener of this podcast. That's not why I've created it. I want you to start changing your life with the considerable work that I put into this show. So you can actively support this work by one, subscribing to the podcast, rating it and reviewing it. And look, if you're not sure what to write, how about how you first noticed diet culture's influence in your life or what you hate most about diet culture? So the second thing you could do is that if you took something away from the episode, if you find this show valuable, tell your friends, tell your family about the podcast and share it on your social media. It's such a powerful way to share this work. And the third and final thing that you can do is put the invitations that I offer into practice in your real life. Do the work and start discovering. Your support helps this work become bigger and more normal. I appreciate you and I thank you. See you next time.
If you'd like to get in touch with me, learn about my current group program offerings and client availability, the best way to do that is via my website, www.nadiafelsch.com. You'll also find my Facebook group, Food and Body Freedom, and on Instagram and TikTok, my handle is at Nadia Felsch. 